Thank you. Y'all have a seat. And many thanks to our, our worship team uh, for, for leading us, guiding us in worship. If you will, take your Bibles, turn to Acts 2, and you guys can come up. Yes, yes, I did not forget. Uh, turn to Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, that's where we'll be today, which is appropriate uh, as we pray uh, for this family. Uh, I've already, so that's just a handshake there, I've already mentioned something about Bill helping lead our team to Honduras. You know, this, uh, this year, and I very much appreciate him and, and others, but uh, this family, Bill and Lori Moody, uh, really, if I have to say this, I mean, God's very much put a heart for nations uh, on them, and Lori is going to Honduras on her own with another team that they've been part of for really the last 15 years almost, 17, uh, 17 years, okay, both medical, pharmaceutical, evangelism, and so Lori's going on her own, so yes, that means we pray for Bill as he's got uh, four kids for a week, uh, but, but also their, their real call to nations also resulted uh, in the adoption, as some of you all know, of three children uh, overseas, both China and Poland, uh, which I, I frankly admire, and also uh, just uh, a heart to serve and to give, so that being said, Lori leaves on Friday. We want to pray for her, and I say this is tied to Acts 2. If you know your Bible, you know, Acts is all about, a send, about sending people to be sending churches to nations. And so whether it's a formal organized mission trip by Bellwether Community Church or whether it's some other uh, means or route by another church or ministry, you know, we need to be more and more of a sending church not just to nations, also to neighbors. Span is a neighbor. The people that live next door to you is a neighbor. Uh, both to witness to Christ, but also uh, just to invite them, not to church, but just to be part of your life. And that's how, uh, that's how you share Jesus. So, that being said, we want to pray for them now. And uh, very thankful for you all for being in prayer. And do pray for Bill as he, as he uh, organizes to lead our formal trip to Honduras uh, in a couple weeks. Heavenly Father, thank you for Lori and Bill, their, their family, and just pray prayers of protection and provision for Lori as uh, in the days leading up to her trip on Friday for the team. Uh, I know that uh, uh, they've been to this region and area, but still just prayers of protection, prayers of provision, uh, of safety, uh, of fruitfulness, that they just really see uh, your work and, and the reason they're there this year. And just you make that evident and, and just use this for fruitfulness in Lori's life and her and Bill's marriage and that for their children. And I pray that you grow that real heart, that passion for evangelism and missions uh, in our life as a church family. That we would even think about uh, people uh, on other sides of the world and next door uh, that uh, their souls are... Um, you know, may or may not have eternal life with Christ and just really convicted about that and passionate about that and, uh, and thoughtful about that. And so just let us not be in a box, uh, whether that's the box of our own life and career or whether it's the box of a pretty white church on a corner, that we would be out and about and going and sending for you and your kingdom for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. okay, Acts 2, uh, we are... Uh, actually kind of closing a real short series that was on church 
people. We actually entitle it church people. Um, the idea is like how church people function in life together. We're people, we're individuals. Uh, the Lord has, has definitely designated the church, and I do believe this, the church, the local church is the primary means of mission ministry in the world. There are other means. We are, I, I like individuals. We live in a very individualistic society. But biblically speaking, if you know your Bible, I mean, the church is plan A and there's really no plan B. So the church is comprised of people. People with different opinions, uh, different identities. So how do we function in this life together, being a Christian? So if you look in the latter part of the New Testament, uh, that's a lot of what it talks about. Like how to be church people, how to do life together. So over the last few weeks, uh, we have talked about different issues. Uh, last week, we highlighted conflict in the church. And today, uh, I want to close with, uh, with the reliance on prayer and the Spirit. Really most important. Uh, before I get into this, we're going to read Acts 2, verse 1 through 13. And then I'm going to have some verses for you. But before I do that, I do kind of want to give you a heads up on what's really going on here the rest of the summer. Because as church people, I think, and I've said said this last week, every part of our service matters. So the part of the service at 1031 really matters, okay, Uh, as we plan a service. The part of the service that maybe, I know we're hoping for like 1140, I'll try to get there. But if it's 1150, the part of the service really matters. Everything in our life together matters to the Lord. So, but also in preparation of growing as a body, like how we live together. So over the next couple of weeks, uh, you're going to have some different things go on that will, uh, and, and different preachers. Uh, and I really encourage you to, uh, well, to, to, to be here, but also to listen to what they have to say. Uh, and I'm going to be out, and, and I, this is another reason I want to share this, because I want to let you know what's going on in my life. So, selfishly, you could be praying for me and also praying for my family because I'll be away from them for a time being. Um, Next, and first off, I want to say a word of thanks to this church. I know a lot of you are new, but some of you have been deacons over the, the past eight, nine years in the life of the church. So you knew that I was working on a doctorate, and I haven't really said this, but I really want to thank the church because... And I thank God I actually finished it, okay? And uh, there, was, there was some doubt. I know I'm not trying to thank you. I wasn't asked for that. But I, a year ago, uh, my wife, I, I did not think I would cut it, okay? Because uh, it was, uh, I got back a few grades that were uh, just not very <laughs> encouraging, okay, for my final paper. But on my final paper, I did. And if you really want to, like, if you're having problems with sleep or anything, I can give it to you, okay? So you can check it out. But, no, seriously, it's, I, on my final paper, I did acknowledge I wanted to thank the people of Bellwether Community Church because some of you, more specifically, have known I've been doing that, and there have been weeks in the past years that you've given time for study and support. So I really appreciate that. So uh, I finished it, and so that's next week. But then, uh, some prayers. I am actually helping chaperone or lead uh, a, a team to Israel, and I've never been to Israel, and Israel is an exciting, I think, place to go. Um, I mean, it may not be like the safest place. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's fine right now, okay, but I'm asking for prayers that you'd be with this team. It's with a local school, so I'll be both chaperoning 
and doing some devotions, messages each day. And I just ask for prayers for our team. Also, there is a Bellwether uh, member going with us, Walker Barnes, a student. And so be praying for him too. We got, a, we got 23 people that are going to Israel. And so we leave June 21st. I'll be back for VBS. Then after that, though, we'll say this. I'm traveling. Uh, we're part of Acts 29, which is a global network for church planting. Something else some of you know about, we're very involved and active in a ministry in India. Because of that, uh, I'm on an assessment team. So we're assessing potential church planters uh, in India for the furthering of the kingdom. And another American guy, actually, I know this sounds radical, but he and his wife are convicted to plant in United Arab Emirates, which would be UAE, which would be like a Muslim country, which is very inspiring for me. So... I'm on a team that's assessing these guys, and so I'd ask you to be praying for that as well. Uh, and then I'll, uh, then after all that, we'll be back. But what's going on here, real quick, next week, and I really would love for you to be, I don't think he's here today. I saw one of his sons here. I see you. Okay. But Dr. David Carroll is sharing a Father's Day message. And I don't know if you know kind of his testimony about being a dad, but it's very, very powerful for me. And he specifically wanted to, he's an elder here in the church and specifically wanted to share. And then uh, two brothers who have done a lot of work, and you all know them, who have done a lot of work in racial reconciliation uh, in the state of Mississippi, Dolphus Weary, Nettie Winters, uh, will be taking a couple Sundays about community transformation. I say all that to say we're not just taking the summer off. Uh, there's, uh, I think there's going to be, uh, man, I, I always pray when I'm out that, man, the Lord moves more than, uh, than ever, and that's like the most powerful uh, thing that, that he does. So anyway, that's what's going on. Uh, August, we had a, a meeting with our worship team. We're really getting excited about We're doing a series on worship, exactly, and doing some different attributes on worship. So that's coming in August. Uh, all that to say is just, I love kind of getting our people acclimated to like what's going on and that there is a trajectory. There's a continuity to our life together. Everything matters. Your interaction with one of them really matters uh, on Sunday. And that's life together. But most important, most important, more so than preaching, more so than like a song, more so than your interaction, is a reliance on prayer and the Holy Spirit. That infuses everything else. And if you don't have that, you really have nothing. If you don't have that, then we're just like a religious nonprofit or we're like a religious social club. And we see that in the Bible. So that's what I want to get to, most important today. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astonished and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, in Cappadocia, Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, 
visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. All right, let's stop there for a moment. So, with being the church, you know, being church people, we, we gather together, we say we believe in Jesus, we rely on Jesus, we want to grow in Jesus, we're curious about Jesus, we, we come together, and there should be, again, there, there should be this reliance uh, on the Holy Spirit. There should be this aspect, I would say, of the supernatural, of something that's not of this world. And, and all too often there are, there are really like three problems, okay? Three problems that we could have. One would be like church people don't really kind of look the part. When I mean look the part, I'm not talking about like prim and proper and together. Uh, I'm talking about uh, they don't look like they are living out a radical faith of the supernatural uh, and let me say this before moving forward, okay? Because some of you could be thinking that who know the Bible. There is a debate across the church about spiritual, supernatural gifts such as speaking in tongues, okay? So one side would, be, would call themselves cessationists. And for all of us English majors out there, that would mean that they have ceased in the New Testament, okay? They ceased those type of gifts, more so of healing, speaking in tongues, uh, others would call themselves continuationists, which I don't know if that's a word, that those gifts continue. Uh, now, some of you may ask, well, where are you on that spectrum? Uh, I would say for me, and I've used it before personally, I'm kind of charismatic with a seatbelt, okay, if that makes sense. So, like, uh, I have been in charismatic settings, okay, with, with, like, very, very almost academic intellectual types, that throw out some speaking in tongues, okay? So it's not like, I'm not trying, you know, it's not like backwoods stuff, okay? It's, uh, it's actually, there's some really people I admire that like go there as that that continues. Uh, I think it's biblical, well, it is biblical. It says if someone speaks in tongues, there should be a translator there. Paul goes into this in 1 Corinthians. Uh, I've, I would say this, I've never been in a situation where there's a, someone speaking in tongues and someone translating. So that's why I'm a little, you know, I, I'm not saying they've stopped, particularly gifts of healing. because there, there are doctors here, and I've talked to many doctors. who are like, you know, the only way to account for this is that, you know, the Lord healed her or the Lord is healing her. So therefore, you know, God can do anything and, you know, it's at his time, at his season. So... Uh, I want to be fair to that, but that's really, we're not doing a sermon on the speaking of tongues. If you're interested in that, and many of you might be, I can, we can look at that. But sometimes, I'm talking about a, a, a radical faith, a belief in the supernatural existence of a universe, okay? Like, for example, like this reality here, us gathered together, seated, building, is not all there is. You're like, yeah, sure, there's, and you look outside. No, I'm not talking about... Everything that you see is not all there is. There is a, a supernatural 
uh, universe all around us. There's really a universe next door uh, that I would say. But that we don't, as Christians, we don't have this life that that's very present. And so we live kind of almost in like an unfaith. Let me use that word, unfaith. So it's not no faith, but it's kind of like an unfaith. Like this is all there is. And, and we say the right things and we even believe the right things. But belief on its own is not enough. Because that would be like the Pharisees. Belief on its own uh, should shape a faith that, you know, yes, God can do anything. God can reconcile the most strained of relationships. Uh, God can heal, uh, even when doctors say there's no physical healing possible. And if there is this supernatural existence, a supernatural universe at work around us. So one problem would be that Christians just don't look that part. They're just kind of going on as if this is, this is life, this is reality. Uh, another problem is that you hit a crisis of faith. And several of you have done this because I've talked to you about it. A crisis of faith is in like, I don't believe, uh, you know, you really, you don't want to say it because it looks bad in this context, but I really don't believe kind of what this says, that God can do anything, the Holy Spirit can work. You just hit a crisis of faith. Like, that's just, it's just not real. Okay, that's another problem. And then the third problem, and, th- and this is tied to kind of not looking the part and but a guy named Francis Schaeffer, where I got almost a lot of my thinking from. He's a, he's a hero of me, if you know Francis Schaeffer. But he said, you know, a lot of Christians just do not live like prayer and the Holy Spirit is important to their life at all. And you notice it said Christians there, not people. A lot of Christians live as if prayer and the Holy Spirit is not vital at all. They do too much of their life, and look, guilty as charged here, too much of their life, on their human energy and human effort. And he had this, this quote, I'll paraphrase, what if God took every, uh, every notion, every writing of prayer and the Holy Spirit out of the Bible, just what if God said, hey, just, it's, it's gone, would our Christian lives look any different? The point being is like you're not reading about that, you, don't, you have no knowledge of prayer and the Holy Spirit because it's not there. So now it's in there, but yet our life probably could look the same because there is this lack of reliance on prayer, on the Holy Spirit, and there's a lack really of faith in a supernatural world going on that God intervenes whenever He desires. The Holy Spirit works. Think When we say no accidents in Christianity, that God is at work, And that all will be revealed when we meet him one day, but some will be revealed in this life. So, going to this passage, what happens here? Pentecost, which actually today we are supposed to celebrate Pentecost because it's 40 days after Easter. Pentecost, why I chose this passage. The Spirit came down, the Spirit of God. They were speaking the other tongues. We've talked about this. And... There is this, right there, there is this supernatural universe going on that is over and above, but yet infiltrating the normal world. So what I'd like to say briefly in the rest of our time, and I, I will be brief, the supernatural universe, the beginning of it, the beginning of it, the beauty of it, the battle of it, and the bounty of it. So if you take notes... Or if you don't, the beginning of it, 
the beauty of it, the battle of it, and the bounty of it. See, the thing is, once you believe in Christ, you should, you should enter into this new world. You should. And if, if there's really kind of no, I, and I hesitate to say this, but if, if you don't like feel, like if you're like, I'm, I'm saved, I'm, you know, I receive, but if, if something doesn't happen, I mean like literally like a feeling and not just emotion because it's more than that. I mean like something outside this world and I do have memories of that. Uh, some of you have heard me t- tell stories. I have, I have felt physical touches when no one was there. Uh, I've also seen, I mean, I've seen, been blessed to witness some supernatural stuff, but all Christians should witness some supernatural stuff. Like a supernatural thing would be like, you're kneeling in prayer, you feel someone's touch on your hand. There's no one there, but you feel a literal touch. Okay? That's the supernatural universe. Who's to say there's not an angel touching you? Who's to say God the Father is not touching the Holy Spirit? That's real. I do believe these things. So, how does it begin? Because if you're not a Christian, you are outside that. Okay? You're not in that world. How does it be? It does have a beginning. The beginning is the gospel. And it has to start. It never ends there. And that would be faith in Christ. So, you know, what is great about Acts 2, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you see the supernatural universe happening. And then Peter preaches. What does he preach about? Well, he preaches about the Lord. The Lord being Jesus. That... Human beings, all of them, are in need. We are lost in sin. Jesus came to save us by his work on the cross, and he defeated sin, he defeated Satan, and he defeated death. Okay? Even though we still have remnants of all of those here, he won. Going just back through Acts 2, what does he say? Verse 22, Peter's sermon, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs. Verse 23, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan. So this was a plan. And foreknowledge God knew beforehand. You used lawless people to kill him, to nail him to a cross. Verse 24, God raised him up ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. And I know some of you are like, hey, I kind of check, I got this. Well, I know not for you, but for me, I need reminding every day. And sometimes the devil works in complacency. And like, oh yeah, I kind of got that. We need to be reminded. Verse 33, therefore, since he has been, Jesus, exalted to the right hand of God and received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He has poured out what you both see and hear. Therefore, verse 36, let all the house... It's interesting how Peter says, therefore, 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 over and over. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. Okay, that's the facts. And I believe those are facts in history. Now, how does supernatural universe begin? The people say the same thing. They respond, what should we do? Peter says, verse 38, repent and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. You enter into this new world, this new universe, and you definitely grow, let me be fair, sanctification, you don't, you don't just end there, you definitely grow, but, but you're in. So often, you know, going into the beauty of the supernatural universe, often we'll live, like if you take any piece of fruit, and we try to eat a lot of fruit in our home, but any piece of fruit, an orange or an apple, and I'll slice it for my kids, you know, in half. You know, we're Christian, and we have the salvation, but we're like living with half of the piece of fruit. We're not, it's not the whole fruit when we don't rely on prayer, when we don't rely on the Holy Spirit, when we're relying on our human energy and efforts, and they're gifts that God's given, and we're just, we're, we're like, we're eating half the fruit. There's a whole other half here that I believe is available, attainable, uh, for each individual Christian. And that's what I want. I want that for me. I want that for us. I want that for this church. So, like, where else in the Bible would it say that? The, the beauty of this world, the supernatural universe. I want to use a couple, uh, actually, I think six sermon. Uh, not sermons, excuse me. I'm thinking about, I've got I to end this sermon because, uh, you know, you're like, yeah, 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 no, no. Think about verses, six verses coming up that you may not know in the Bible about this world all around us. And let me say, I believe the Bible is literally true. Okay? So if we have questions, that's another question, but the history of Jesus' church, this is truth, not just generally speaking, literally speaking. So let's start uh, Luke 9, verse 37. Put it up on the screen. The next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. You're like, well, what does that mean? Okay, just one verse. Right before then in Luke 9, like 30 through 36 or something like that, there was the transfiguration. Now, some of the, us who went to Sunday school know about that. There was Jesus, there was Moses, and Elijah. Leave that verse up there. And he was in the presence of people who had died. They were talking. The disciples saw this. The point being, the supernatural universe is right next door. Because what happens after that? They just went down the mountain and a large crowd met them. So that was like right there. There was a transfiguration. Moses, Elijah, present with the Lord. And they walk down the mountain. It's just, it's just next door. It's a universe next door. It's not like far off. It's not like in the clouds. It's right there. Uh, a better illustration of this uh, kind of all around would be in the Old Testament. Genesis 32, verse 1. Look at this. Simple verse again. Jacob went on his way, and God's angels met him. Now, if you're in a position of like, well, that's Old Testament Genesis. That doesn't happen now. I would disagree with you. Okay, so the Bible is, it's not bifurcated. It's not like, well, New Testament more important than Old Testament. It's kind of one book, as in like one story that all points to Jesus. So here, Jacob went on his way. God's angels met him. See, what I love about the Bible is like, there's so many, if you read the Bible, what I'll do is like, so many verses, I don't know about you, but I'll just skim over. Like, oh yeah, I want to get to like the point of the, of the story in the chapter. And we miss so much just by skimming over. Like this, a skim over. Oh yeah, his angels met him. Even maybe more revealing, 2 Kings 6, 16 and 17. Look at this. Elisha said, don't be afraid, for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
Again, I'm, take, I'm going at this from the point that all this is not just real back thousands of years ago in Israel, but for today, okay? Meaning that, yes, I do believe you can look around and maybe you don't see it, but there are angels and chariots of fire around you protecting and watching over you and guarding you. I believe that's not just plausible, that's reality. That's a supernatural universe, okay? And again, if you're like kind of, if you're like, yeah, I don't know about this or anything, again, you just made my point. We're living with half a fruit, and you call yourself a Christian, okay? Which you are, I'm not saying that, but you're living half a fruit. And that's one of the problems of the church. Like, there's no, there's kind of, we're kind of like, we're rational. We're enlightened. This is back then. Well, is Jesus' death and resurrection for today? Yes, of course. What about the rest? All this. But Peter just said, the promise of the Holy Spirit poured out. There is a world, there is a universe next door that the church, most churches have not tapped into because we're relying on human effort and energy and concerned about human planning and everything. Going on, um, watching over us. I mentioned this, 1 Corinthians 4, 9. 1 Corinthians 4, for I think God has displayed us, the apostles, in last place like men condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. Uh, some folks have actually commentary on this verse. Is like there, It's almost like, not that we're actors on a stage, uh, Amy, Brittany, we have actors here, but it is like, yes, God, angels are watching, watching what's going on, watching what's happening. We're a spectacle, both to angels and people. Supernatural universe, right next door. First um, Timothy five twenty one. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus and the elect angels to observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing out of favoritism. And then, last verse, as a helper, First Corinthians two four and five. Paul says, "My speech, my preaching, were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power." so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. The Spirit helps Paul in his speech, demonstrates. He's not relying on human energy and effort, even gifts. He's relying on something outside of himself, the Holy Spirit. Real quick as we close up, that that is the beauty of this world that's going on. So yes, there are angels all around, and there are also demons all around. So let's go to the battle real quick, okay? Uh, where is he going now? I'm just going biblical. That's all I'm doing. Just going biblical, okay? Ephesians 6, verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 and 13. You can turn to it. It's not going to be up on the screen. You didn't. So, guys, the, the, not, nobody messed up here. Okay? Ephesians 6, verse 12 and 13. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. The beginning of the supernatural universe happens in Jesus, believing in him. There is a beauty to it. God is present and active and alive and infiltrating angels too as his servants. And there's a battle going on 
in this supernatural universe. Because yes, Satan has been defeated. And yes, if you're a Christian, we have won. But with D-Day happening this week, and you know, if you know me, I love history, the greatest metaphor or example that I've seen of the Christian life today is the cross, the empty tomb, was D-Day. After D-Day, everybody knows it's done. It's not done, but the war is going to be won. But then the Allied forces had to go on to Berlin for the E-Day, Victory in Europe Day, which ended up being April 1945. So we are, as the church, many people, this is not just my idea, many historians have talked, the age of the church is like June 6, 1944 to April 1945, and we're pushing across, garnering, gaining territory, but the defeated forces are mad as, you can choose the word there, and saying like, we are going to stop and just take all we can. So yes, that's going on. So destroying lives in addiction, destroying marriages, uh, dis- destroying faith through doubt. And most of our doubt, I do believe this, comes from spiritual forces of darkness trying to attack our faith to move us like, well, don't just eat the whole apple, have half of it. And then before you know it, it's nothing at all. Because you're like, I don't even know if this is real. Because prayers aren't being answered, you know. So there's a battle. Now, how do you win the battle? Well, Paul writes there, take on the full armor of God. Church people should be part of the armor. Church people like us together. More important, no offense, God's word. So church people empowered God's word. Church people studying God's word together, individually, corporately. God's people praying individually, corporately. Reliance on the Holy Spirit. The Bible leads to real faith, genuine faith, faith in the Holy Spirit, that there are things that are, that are going on that we can't even explain. You know, quote Dwight Eisenhower, and I listened a lot to, to D-Day stuff this week, so, so I heard this. Dwight Eisenhower quoted Napoleon, who said, military success is achieved. So Napoleon first said this, but Dwight Eisenhower used it. Military success is achieved when people just do the average when there's chaos all around. And I really like that. Like, when your life is chaos, let's say spiritually, and the average is daily Bible reading, coming to church regularly, visiting with people, check in with people. No mountaintop experiences, just average. Chaos all around. But I like that. Military success, just keep doing the average when there's chaos all around. Don't lose your head. And military success achieved. So the spiritual battle is one. Just keep doing reliance on God, Bible reading, prayer, community, come to church, be intentional about your relationships. And then last, and this is last, so the, the bounty, what's the result? The result, I love the end of Acts 2, 42 through 47. Just look at this quickly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. All believers were together. They had all things in common. They sold possessions, property, and gave proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. 
Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Is that your experience of church? Is that your experience of church elsewhere? Is that your experience of church here? That is the bounty, like the fruit of living, operating in a reliance on prayer and the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for this place. I'm not saying we don't have it totally. I'm saying we can always, every church can move towards that. But there's this connection. They, they're devoted to God's word, to being together, to sharing meals together, to prayer. There's an awe. Wonders are happening. Signs are happening. There is a generosity of spirit and of giving financially to those who have need. Uh, no, to where no one had need. Uh, just That is the supernatural church. It's a reflection of Jesus on this earth. That's what I want for this church. Uh, would, you join, would you join me? I mean, I hopefully I can come back to this. And Would you join me the rest of the year, like recommitting to a reliance on prayer and the Holy Spirit for this place? Francis Schaeffer, quote him last, he said, maybe I said this already, but the Lord's work done in the Lord's way, will have the Lord's provision. Let me say that again. The Lord's work done in the Lord's way will have the Lord's provision. He then said, the Lord's work done in human energy may not have the Lord's provision. I mean, it's as really clear as that. And I know for my life, so much of it uh, can be based on human energy, human efforts, human gifts, organizing, planning. We need to pivot more to reliance on prayer and the Holy Spirit. Let me just say we need to pivot more to a reliance on prayer and the Holy Spirit. The supernatural universe is real. It's here, and we want to see it, have it, possess it more, eat the whole fruit. It begins and ends with Jesus. We're going to witness that here in a moment as we take communion together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our eyes, change what we see, change what we seek by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.